Hey everybody, it's Dan Dan, and we are diving into a big book study today. Today we are on page 76 at Now We Need More Action. And up till now, we've gone through seven steps. And in that last step, what we wanted to focus on was the more important we make other people to us, the more important we become to other people. Step seven rounds the corner from a focus on the things about me I want to change to a focus on other people and how that change will help me better serve them. So in step eight, we made a list of all the persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all as the step reads. What we're doing is looking for a way to identify the people that we have harmed in our life one way or another, if we intended to or not, if we did it deliberately or not. If we've already paid some sort of price, even like getting arrested and paid fines or not, what we're going to do is proactively or take a look at the people we have harmed. We're going to make a list and many of these people will exist right there on that fourth step list as this is related to the fourth step in that way that we turn back to that list. And we may want to add some people to it as well. As we discover our character defects, we may have discovered there's a lot of people We have harmed with selfishness and such. So by making a list of the people we've harmed and becoming willing to make amends, we take an action towards healing the past and we get a chance to seek forgiveness from other people. A silent spiritual burden on us is regret, shame, guilt that builds up from all of our misgivings out there. And this is going to be a step towards resolving that stuff so that we can move forward in fellowship with the people we know and love. All right, so here we go. Step eight, page 76. Now we need action, without which we find that faith without works is dead. So nothing that you think you've gained in knowledge will make any difference for your sobriety or spiritual life without doing the work. Let's look at steps eight and nine. We have a list of all persons we have harmed and to whom we are willing, there's that key word again, willingness, to make amends. We made it when we took inventory. So that's a reference to the fourth step and we may still add to it. We subjected ourselves to a drastic self-appraisal. Now we go out to our fellows and repair the damage done in the past. Repair the damage, that is what an amend is. Not an apology, we'll get to that in a second. We attempt to sweep away the debris which has accumulated out of our effort to live on self-will and run the show ourselves. That debris is shame and guilt and debt and regret, things like that. If we haven't the will to do this, we ask until it comes. Ask again means pray. We pray until it comes. Remember, it was agreed at the beginning. And he's going to say this a lot to us. We would go to any lengths for victory over alcohol. And from that point, we move into step nine. So the first part of step nine is make direct amends to such people wherever possible. And we're going to cover that with step eight. We're going to identify the people in step eight that we want to make amends to. And then in step nine, we're going to talk about who is it possible to make amends to? Because there are circumstances where perhaps you don't want to do this. And there are circumstances where it may be far more harmful for you to step in on a spiritual basis or any basis at all than it would be just to leave it alone. Sometimes leaving it alone is the answer. 
What we'll discover in this is that key is willingness, willingness to do it. Now, at the beginning of our big book study, we talked about commitments we make to ourselves and our ability to keep those commitments. Step nine is an opportunity to make that real. And we're going to make this list in step eight. And in step nine, we're going to commit to doing this as quickly as possible, that we want to clear away the wreckage of the past so that we can feel the sunlight of the Spirit coming into our lives in a really profound way. As we end into action this fantastic chapter, we're going to get some specific directions on how to maintain that and help it grow. In any case, what we want to do first is make amends. So amends means to repair, like it says in the preceding paragraph. So here we go. Probably there are still some misgivings. As we look over the list of business acquaintances and friends we have hurt, we may feel diffident about going to some of them on a spiritual basis. Diffident means lacking confidence. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not sure I can do this, right? We all have those people on there. Let us be reassured. To some people, we need not and probably should not emphasize the spiritual feature on the first approach. We might prejudice them. At the moment, we are trying to put our lives in order. But this is not an end in itself. Our real purpose, here's another real purpose. Our real purpose is to fit ourselves to be of maximum service to God and to the people about us. Well, wait a second here, Bill, right? I thought I'm just going to go in there and try to straighten out this relationship. Well, the way we straighten it out is we don't go on our own selfish behalf. And we don't go with some sort of goal in mind. And we don't go hoping for a particular outcome one way or another. We go in service to the God of your understanding, to your higher power. You go in service to them to remedy things that are in the way of doing his will in your life, of doing the job he would have you do, of acting as the son or daughter you are to your higher power. So this is a really important line. We're going to go over it again. Our real purpose is to fit ourselves to be of maximum service. Maximum service. Not some service, not sometimes. Maximum service to God and to the people about us. God through us. It is seldom wise to approach an individual who still smarts for our injustice to him and announce that we've gone religious. In the prize ring, this would be called leading with the chin. Why lay ourselves open to being branded fanatics or religious bores? We may kill a future opportunity to carry a beneficial message. But our man is sure to be impressed with a sincere desire to set right the wrong. He's going to be more interested in a demonstration of goodwill than in our talk of spiritual discoveries. Demonstration of goodwill, faith without a demonstration of goodwill works, is dead. So the faith might be our talk of spiritual discoveries as we've developed a faith and we've developed a belief structure and we've come to believe in a power greater than ourselves. Unless we demonstrate the qualities of the character of that God, patience, kindliness, tolerance, love, we fail. That's the order we are put up against. That's what we're to do. Maximum service to God and to the fellows around us. Back to the book. We don't use this as an excuse for shying away from the subject of God. When it will serve any good purpose, we are willing to announce our convictions with tact and common sense. In other words, no 
mystical mumbo-jumbo, no churchy shop talk, none of that stuff. Just talk about how your life got better, that you took on this faith and these things happened, right? The question of how to approach the man we hated will arise. It may be he has done us more harm than we have done him. And though we may have acquired a better attitude toward him, we are still not too keen about admitting our faults. Don't you love to compare how much you did to how much they did? Nevertheless, with a person we dislike, we take the bit in our teeth. And here's another critical point. It is harder to go to an enemy than to a friend. We all know that, right? We all know that. Of course it is. But we find it much, not sort of, much more beneficial to us. We go to him in a helpful and forgiving spirit, confessing our formal ill feeling and expressing our regret. There's the formula. We confess our ill feelings and express our regret. That's how you make an amend. Under no condition do we criticize such a person or argue. So what we're talking about here is opinions, right, wrong, true and false, good and bad, like and don't like, happened and didn't happen. We stay out of that discussion. They can have it their way. Another way to think about this is do not compete with the person that you're making amends with. They can remember it any way they want to. They can remember it wrong. They can tell the story wrong. They can get the time frame wrong. They may not even remember you. It doesn't matter. You're there on a mission from God. And that mission is not to make sure they tell the story correct or that they remember your name correctly or they remember the events correctly. That doesn't matter. The only thing that matters is that you're being as honest as possible and you're expressing the ill feelings that you have, the thing that you did wrong, you're owning it, and that you regret doing it. That's how we make amends. So under no condition do we criticize a person or argue with them. It's really important. Simply tell him that we will never get over drinking until we have done our utmost to straighten out the past. We are there to sweep off our side of the street, not clean up theirs or make them behave a certain way or get them to own something. Our side of the street, realizing that nothing worthwhile can be accomplished until we do so, never trying to tell him what he should do. His faults are not discussed. There's an instruction that we can all learn from. His faults, their faults, the things they did, the things we don't like, the things that hurt us, we don't discuss them. We stick to our own. We own them. If our manner is calm, frank, and open, that's the attitude, calm, frank, and open. So we're calm, frank, and open in addressing or expressing our ill feelings or the things that we did and our regret for them. If our manner is calm, frank, and open, we will be gratified with the result. Gratify means happy with the result. In nine cases out of 10, the unexpected happens. Sometimes the man we are calling upon admits his own fault. So feuds of years standing melt away in an hour. Rarely do we fail to make satisfactory progress. Our former enemies sometimes praise what we are doing and wish us well. Occasionally, they will offer assistance. It should not matter, however, if someone does throw us out of his office. We have made our demonstration. That's the goal. Done our part. It's water over the dam. Most alcoholics owe money. We do not dodge our creditors. Telling them what we are trying to do, we make no bones about our drinking. They usually know it anyway, whether we think so or not. Nor are we afraid of disclosing our alcoholism on the theory that it may cause financial harm. 
hmm, financial harm is a really difficult thing for me to face. And telling someone that I have an alcohol problem or as I'm brand new to recovery doing this ninth step, man, I don't want to do that, right? We must not shrink at anything. That's the key. We will go to any lengths to get it. So we are not afraid of disclosing our alcoholism on the theory it may cause financial harm. Theory, a guess, a projection, a prophecy. Approached in this way, the most ruthless creditor will sometimes surprise us. Arranging the best deal we can, we let these people know we are sorry. So it's going to go into this a little bit more, but it's important that we do negotiate, that we don't just do this self-indicting, you know, submission thing. We're trying to surrender our will and our lives over to the care of God, but that doesn't mean we don't negotiate. We, it's important that whatever agreement we come to, we are actually able to do because we're going to keep these commitments. It's a foundation point where commitments we make to ourselves become commitments that we make to others and we keep them. And in doing so, we'll not only learn to forgive ourselves, but begin to trust ourselves. Arranging the best deal we can, we let these people know we are sorry. That's one of the few times you'll see that word. Our drinking has made us slow to pay. We must lose our fear of creditors no matter how far we have to go. For we are liable to drink if we are afraid to face them because fear builds resentments. And resentments are the number one offender, the number one reason. As this continues to weigh on you day to day, pops up in your sleep, hits you as you lay down at night, or wakes you up in the middle of sleep. It needs to be dealt with. Own it and deal with it. Perhaps we have committed a criminal offense which might land us in jail if it were known to the authorities. We may be short in our accounts and unable to make good. We have already admitted this in confidence to another person, but we are sure we would be imprisoned or lose our job if it were known. Maybe it's only a petty offense such as padding the expense account. Most of us have done that sort of thing. Maybe we are divorced and have remarried but haven't kept up the alimony to number one. She is indignant about it and has a warrant out for our arrest. That's a common form of trouble too. So there's something really important in here, and it talks about you may have to go to prison. And for me, that hits home. In my ninth step, I was facing that very thing. I was facing 19 years, eight months in prison. And getting honest and owning the situation I was in opened a bunch of doors. That willingness started things in motion that seemed to happen on their own. So this came true for me. Though I still had to go to prison, it wasn't the end of the world. So we're going to finish up with this last paragraph and, and, this, and then we're going to move on to a different phase of step nine. But it says, although these reparations mean money paid to make things right, repair, right? Reparations. All those, these reparations take innumerable forms. There's no like set way, set style, process. There are some general principles which we find guiding. You guys ready? Reminding ourselves that we have decided, here it is again, to go to any lengths to find a spiritual experience, we ask that we be given strength and direction to do the right thing. That's a prayer we ask. No matter what the personal consequences may be. Let me say that again. No matter what the personal consequences may be, we do not bow down before anyone as men of God. We may lose our position or reputation or face jail, but we are willing. We have to be. We must not shrink 
at anything. Hmm. So when we think about that, we're kind of left with this idea here. Making amends is hard, but it doesn't have to be. If I can move myself from trying to serve me, because I'm willing to live without making these amends personally. And as I went through this process, there was a, a suggestion that I have the ones I'm willing to do right now, the ones I'm willing to do later, and this other list of people I'm never going to do, right? And I'm just never going to do it. And there could be a variety of reasons why people make each of those categories. Even so, the critical element is that if I am able to make a proper amend, if I'm able to, without hurting somebody else or at somebody else's expense, admit to the thing I've done or let them know my feelings about something and express my regret to them tactfully, honestly, without scraping, without fighting with them, without arguing, without trying to tell them that they're wrong in anything, anything at all, can I allow them to be completely wrong, even just making stuff up? It doesn't matter. Can I sit there and listen to what somebody else has to say and show them a great deal of respect, forgive them for the things that they may have done for me, no matter how bad they are, and walk away from this knowing that I've done my very best to clean that particular issue up? The critical element in this whole thing is that we make commitments to other people in our concept of reparations that we can keep. So when we deal with a creditor, we negotiate. When we deal with an ex-spouse that we owe money to, we negotiate. When we deal with a criminal charge, we negotiate. We want to position ourselves in the best possible place to get the job done, that we start keeping the commitments that we make. So if you want to talk about something today, I think it would be fantastic to hear the experiences of amends. What was the most difficult amend? What really unusual amend happened? Who had the experience that was totally shocked that someone immediately forgave them or offered them help? How did the predictions of the big book come out in your experience? And it's such a good thing that we don't go to our amends trying to share our theology, our deep insights, and our faith, but just our experience, strength, and hope. And that we're out there on a service mission to God. We're clearing the pathway to allow God to work through us. And really, there's no better test than to bring an amend to someone we might think of as an enemy, someone we might think of as against us. Those are the people that are most difficult, but like he says, in my experience, also the most beneficial. So how did amends go? If you're talking with a sponsor, or if you're in a meeting right now, have a discussion around that. Ninth step amends. And I hope you have a great discussion.